0: Hello and welcome to the Cracking Cybersecurity Podcast. I'm Anna, editor at TICE, and this week's episode is on the theme of crisis communications. Whilst it might not be impossible to prevent a data breach impacting your business, it is possible to control the way in which your company prepares and responds to a crisis, something you won't want to regret you hadn't done, when news of the breach exposing your customers' data is splashed across the front pages. So what exactly is the best way to plan a response? What is the key to retaining customer loyalty? How do you strike the right tone and language? How can you use the media to your advantage? To tackle these questions, I met up with broadcast journalist and media mentor Paul murray in a cafe overlooking Piccadilly Circus, where he relayed some extremely insightful communications advice. Remember, I'll be back at the end of the podcast with a cyber tip of the week, but for now, here is Paul your response to my question about why good crisis management is important for a brand
1: when any organization finds themselves engulfed in a crisis uh, and usually it happens unexpectedly and very often it happens very very quickly two things are happening, one is the disruption, the upheaval that that organisation has to deal with to keep it going but the other almost invisible and much more damaging thing that happens is that trust in that organisation suddenly disappears and customers the public the suppliers their shareholders even all as it were metaphorically turn around and start to walk away they drift away because what was an organization company whatever it is that seemed to be doing perfectly well can become a toxic brand people don't want to be associated with trouble. And so they walk away. And the reason for having to deal with the media and having to deal with your public uh, uh, persona is to rebuild trust. You've got to do that. So you've got these two things happening at the one time. And if anything, being able to deal with rebuilding trust and uh, boosting your reputation is probably the most important of the two because if your reputation is the only thing that you have uh, in business... So, it's about building trust, and that means avoiding the natural uh, sort of human instinct to be defensive. What you have to do is do what everybody does in business, and that is to position yourself as being part of the solution and not part of the problem. And if you do that, then you start to rebuild trust, you start to rebuild your reputation, you deal with it, and with a bit of luck, you save your business.
0: That's an interesting point about being defensive. A lot of companies also remain silent for far too long. How do you get that right to deal with the crisis and regain trust? Do you do them simultaneously?
1: There are lots of things going on at the same time, yes. Um, I'll, I'll look at it from a journalist's point of view, explain it like this. As a journalist, uh, we approach an organisation, or look at, let's say, something that has gone wrong, the organisation sees this as an issue, that's a problem. We don't. As a journalist, we see it as a story. And we say, well, we have three questions in our mind. Every journalist has three questions in their mind when facing a company or an organisation that's in crisis. How could it have happened? Why did it happen? And who's to blame? That's what we want to know. Uh, as an organisation, you don't want to answer these questions. You want to position yourself, as i said, as being part of the solution. So, if, as a journalist, to get your point about saying nothing, very straightforwardly, if, if we ever hear anyone say no comment about anything or refuse to answer a question, that will do more than signal that they've got something to hide. It will reinforce our suspicions. The other aspect of it is, uh, as I say, these questions of how could it have happened, why did it happen, who's to blame. The way we look at it as journalists is this. Here's a company in trouble, organisation in trouble. First of all, how could it have happened? Is there something systemic within the organisation that made, made it clear that this was a crisis or an accident just waiting to happen? So we'll look at um, cost-cutting. Uh, will look at anything that may have happened in the past which went wrong and they didn't really deal with it properly and they should have learnt lessons and didn't. So systemic failure within the organisation that made it clear this wasn't just an accident, this was going to happen sooner or later. Next thing then will be why did it happen? In other words, what specifically in this occasion went wrong? And we can find out what on this occasion went wrong through social media through people we talk to we're obviously not not going to get it from the management but we will get it from somebody and it may be anecdotes and it may be uh, rumor and hearsay but we will pick up on all of that and we will put that to the organization and finally who's to blame we want to find somebody to blame because it's an easy way of showing that here's the problem and here's how to put it right, get rid of whoever is to blame. So an organisation has got a real problem here because it's quite easy to um, go down that route and end up getting rid of somebody and it doesn't actually solve the problem but it does apparently deal with it, which is not what you want to do. So what an organisation has got to do is to position itself as being in charge, of, of, of understanding what they're dealing with so if you're defensive then it's all the D's you deny it you dismiss it you denigrate it you're defensive so anything beginning with D is a warning sign don't do it Uh, I remember for example Sharon Shoesmith who was the head of uh, social services at Haringey Council at the time of the appalling tragedy of baby Peter the baby had, had been killed and had suffered horribly And she said, there's plenty of evidence of good practice in the uh, investigation that went on. Plenty of evidence of good practice. Now, that may be true. There may well be plenty of evidence of good practice, but it doesn't matter, because we have a dead baby here. And therefore, she completely failed to understand the important things, and she failed to understand what the public needed to know, which was... We can understand this as an appalling tragedy, uh, and we must do everything we can to put it right. So that's why you, you should never become defensive. It puts you in a position where you can be easily attacked and blamed.
0: What is the cost of getting it wrong?
1: The cost of getting it wrong is a complete lack of trust, a toxic brand, and a company that will go under, because nobody wants to be associated with it. It's as simple as that. It can be absolutely massive. Um, and it can happen to huge organisations. I mean, the cost of the banking system in the UK getting it wrong was untold billions of pounds, and a bailout from public funds. They had to be kept going, but nobody wanted to, to, to uh, you know, do business with any banks at what just after two thousand and eight. Uh, for that reason, when a company finds itself in difficulty like this, uh, it is involved in a crisis, in a catastrophe, it's a real problem. No, you could look at that in a very negative way. We've got into real difficulty, we're in the soup, and it's our fault. Or you could look at it in a positive way, Which, not being defensive. You could look at it in a positive way by saying, well, we certainly know about a problem like this because we're heavily involved in it. And you can actually turn yourself into uh, an expert in that problem. And that's what TalkTalk did. Now, here's a mobile phone company that suddenly, overnight, found itself in deep trouble because they were subject of a major hacking. They got hacked. uh, On the day before, they had, what, four million customers, I think, something like that. The next day, all of those customers wanted out of their contracts because the company had been hacked and everybody was worried that their bank accounts could have been emptied because of the the, the information, the details that had been taken by the hackers. And in a way, this company could be seen to have been to blame because their security wasn't tight enough to stop it. They had a strategy, and you need a strategy, and the strategy was this, to turn around the whole situation so that they were seen to be the experts in cybercrime and the best people to deal with it and warn others what to do. So the first thing they had to do was work out what the, what the, um, the language would be. And the language that the uh, chief executive who was running TalkTalk talk at the time, Dido Harding, adopted was to talk about criminals. In other words, if you imagine, here's an organisation that was, um, it was their fault, if you like, uh, that their security was not good enough. But she, to- she talked about these criminals, this crime, we've been attacked by these criminals. And that su- successfully shifted the blame onto the people who did the attacking, rather than them for not having good enough defences. She then had a phrase, which is cybercrime is the crime of our generation. And that phrase was repeated in every single interview that she did on Newsnight, on BBC One News, on uh, uh, Channel 4 News. It was all there. Cybercrime is the crime of our generation. To, to spread the load, to say, we know what we're dealing with, and frankly, every company needs to deal with this. So it shifted the blame from them as being the focus why did it go wrong to you, to this is a national problem that we need to deal with. And we as an organisation know about it more than anybody else because we're heavily involved in it. Um, She needed statistics to uh, back that up. And the statistic they used was that there are 650,000 attacks on companies in England and Wales alone every month this last year. Again, if you think about it, it's a peculiar statistic to use. What does that mean? 650,000? Probably most of them are spam. But it's a statistic and it provided evidence to back up the position, which was every company is, is vulnerable, there's not a managing director who shouldn't be spending more on cyber security, cyber crime is the crime of our generation. And it successfully turned the company around and positioned them, as I say, as being the people to trust to deal with it because they were so heavily involved and the company's doing well, so it worked.
0: What do you think the customer values the most when a company communicates a hacking disaster? What,
1: what for them, is the hmm. most important thing? The most important thing is that the company shows that it understands the seriousness of the situation. Now, the difficulty there is that anybody in a company will think that that is going to make things worse for them and that they're going to be blamed. Uh, but you have to fight against that because the public wants to know... If it's a, it is about trust and somebody at the organisation has got to say, we do know that this is serious, we do know uh, that this is something that you um, find uh, very difficult to, uh, to deal with, if you like, uh, this is a serious situation. But if they say this is a serious situation and we are taking it seriously, it won't, lead to blame and it won't damage their reputation to the extent of if they just said look we're doing what we can uh, because that then raises questions in the public's mind do you, you, do you really know what's going on here in other words it's, a, it's, it's absolutely a question of trust the public, journalists uh, will always have hindsight and will always feel that they've got a very clear view of why that company is in difficulty and if the company doesn't show that it also has a very clear view that it is in difficulty therefore it's the best organization to be trusted to to sort it out and deal with it then the public will say we don't trust you you obviously don't realize we don't see what we see we'll walk away we'll find another company that does
0: what about for the smaller companies out there who perhaps don't have a communications department yet and they're just starting out, um, what key points of advice would you give them in, 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 in the wake of a breach and they don't have a specific strategy it, you know, set up,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what advice
1: would you give them? I'd give them uh, the, the advice that, that follows what I've said, which is that they immediately have to think in their mind... We need to be seen to be dealing with the situation, we need to be seen as being part of the solution, not part of the problem. So if they've just got that one thought in their mind, in the absence of a strategy, in the absence of any clever phrases, have that one thought in your mind and work out how you can do that, then you're going to be on the right side of the public.
0: Hope you found that useful. A big thank you to Paul. And as promised, here is our cyber tip always back up your data. Assume that you will lose it at some point, either because your device breaks, it gets stolen, or you suffer a ransomware attack. So get backing up your data right after listening to this episode. That's all for this week. And if you like what you heard, please do rate, review and share our shows. You can also follow us at Tice News on Twitter and tweet us your questions. Until next time. Bye for now.